Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Coming up on the podcast, I've got a really special guest. You might know her as the one and only Laguna Biatch on Instagram. She and I are talking all things Laguna Beach and the Hills, plus she and I get into the Vanderpump Rules finale, and I have a full recap on my own of the Vanderpump Rules finale, because holy fucking shit, that was insane, like legitimately my jaw was on the ground the entire episode. So we will get into that. Um, But before we do, I wanted to tell you guys a little story about how last week I got into a fight with our next door neighbors, who we have not met at all since we moved into this house almost a year ago. Um, We've seen them a couple times and we'll wave and they actually, they have like teenage kids. I don't know how many they have. Um, But some of the teenagers came over around Thanksgiving and, and tried to drop off a pie, which was really, really sweet. But we weren't home and they didn't leave it and they just like left and then never came back. And so we assumed it was them, but we didn't really know. Um, I mean, we didn't like go over and say anything or like ask for the pie because they didn't leave it. So I, I don't know. Anyways, um, so they have several dogs and they're all small yappy dogs, which like I get it. I have two little chihuahuas. I love them to death. But when they start getting annoying, I like tell them to stop. I like tell them to shut up. Um, So these dogs are always in our neighbor's backyard and they are yapping nonstop. Like first thing in the morning into the night, it's all the time. And we've just dealt with it, but it's become increasingly more annoying. And like, you know, it affects our dogs. Like when we, when we send our dogs outside to go to the bathroom or we let them out for whatever reason, now they know that there are these other yappy dogs right, right on the other side of the fence. So they like run outside and run to the wall. And then I have to like control them. And I'm like, well, this isn't fair. Like, why aren't the neighbors controlling their dogs, you know? And then especially too, as we get ready to, you know, have babies, like I don't want to have to worry about the neighbor's dogs waking up our kids. Like I have to worry about my own dogs waking up the kids. Like I, you know, I don't want to have to deal with that. So I've gone over to their house a couple times and knocked on the door and no one comes. Um, So last week in the morning, it was like before 7am and their dogs were outside going crazy for at least 15 minutes straight. And so finally I went over and I rang their ring doorbell and, you know, I heard the little like ding dong ding ding dong ding you know so I know that it worked and no one comes to the door so I like storm back to my house and I write this note and the note it was firm but it wasn't rude and it didn't threaten any sort of action it it literally just said your dogs are becoming a nuisance like can you please do something about their barking it's happening like at all times and it's you know it's a problem um so like 20 minutes later the wife comes over And I go to the door and, you know, I'm expecting some sort of like apology or acknowledgement that the dogs have been barking and like, you know, I get it, like we'll work on it, whatever. She immediately is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like our dogs never are outside barking. Like what? And so I'm like, oh, okay. So you're, you're basically accusing me of like lying or making it up. Um, And I'm like, well, they're, they're always out there. You know, they're barking at this time. They're barking at that time. And then from there, it, it turns into like, well, you know, my kids have to let them out early in the morning because, you know, we live in the desert. So they're like, it gets hot. And so they have to go out first thing in the morning. That's the only time they can be out. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. This isn't about when you let your dogs out. It's about the fact that they're out there for, you know, 30 minutes unattended barking nonstop at six in the morning. And it's like, well, that's all. That's the only time they can be out there. That's all. And like my kids, we take my kids to school. And then when we come home, we immediately let them back in. And so 
And we just kind of kept going back and forth. And like, at one point she's just like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. And I'm like, well, there is, you can like contain your dogs or you can teach them not to bark. And she's like, well, dogs will be dogs. I don't know what you want me to do about that. And I was like, lady, we have three dogs. They, they, I let them outside all the time. They don't bark like that. And if they do start barking at something, I immediately go out and I stop them and like, tell like because it's annoying you know like I'm annoyed at it and I know that the neighbors are going to be annoyed at it you know and so she and I are getting nowhere at one point she's like I, you know it's just not very neighborly for you to just leave us a note like this and and not even try to talk to us and I was like well I came over and I rang the doorbell and she was like no you didn't I saw on our ring doorbell that you just slid the note in the the security gate and you didn't ring the doorbell and I was like no lady I rang the doorbell check your cameras again and so she's like gaslighting the shit out of me at this point and then her husband comes over and he's like a bigger guy, but I'm not scared of no big guys, you know, I'm tall and feisty. Um, so he comes over and like, now he's getting in the mix and, you know, he's basically like, look, like it is what it is. We don't want to have to be tiptoeing around our house. And I'm like, I'm not asking you to tiptoe around your house. Like I'm being very reasonable in asking you to just like not let your dogs bark incessantly for, you know, 20, 30 minute periods at a time. And I even said that I was like, if your dogs go outside for five minutes and they bark at something or, you know, I get it. We live in the desert. If there's like a bunny or a lizard or whatever, like I get it, but then go try and stop them. Don't just like accept that the dog's going to bark for 30 minutes straight. Like that's not appropriate. And he's like, well, you know, we should be able to do whatever we want. It's within our own property lines. It's our backyard. And like, so I didn't know at the time, but of course, immediately after the conversation, I like go inside and I like Google the noise ordinances and like animal control rules and all this. And like, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to like threaten them to like have their dogs taken away or like call animal, animal control or anything like that. I, I didn't even threaten to call the HOA, but I looked it up and like in our city, at any hours, your dog cannot be like barking incessantly. Like it doesn't matter what time of the day it is. They can't. And then the guy was making these comments like, you know, I paid a lot of money for my house and like I should be able to do whatever I want in it and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, first of all, I, you bought your house like seven years ago and I'm sure it was pricey then. But like I bought our house a year ago, so it's probably twice as expensive. But also don't live in a neighborhood where you are like right next to your neighbors and there's an HOA. Like I, I didn't even think of this at the time, but I wanted to, I, I now want to like go back over and be like, dude, like there are rules to this neighborhood. You asshole. Like if you don't want to consider your neighbors move out to the, like a fucking farm or something like move into the middle of nowhere, you know? Then he was like, you know, we want, as summer comes, we want to start to be able to have people over and be playing music in our backyard. And I'm like, that's fine. Like the neighbors on the other side of us have a pool in their backyard and they have kids and like, we can hear their kids running around and playing all the time. But what I said to this guy is like, the difference is if you were to start having parties every morning and blasting music at 6am, like that's the issue. What don't you get about this? You know, um, then he starts talking about like, we have a tree that's kind of shared on our property line, but it's like technically our tree, but like it grows over onto their side. And he's like, you know, I could complain about this tree, but I don't. And I'm like, okay, do you want us to cut the tree down? And he's like, no, that's not the point. Like, in fact, the people that used to live in this house offered to cut it down, but I told them no, because I liked it. And I was like, okay, so first of all, what the fuck are you talking about? You like, the, the tree has nothing to do with any of this and you like the tree. But second of all, what you're telling me is that the previous neighbor was a a good neighbor and offered to remedy the situation and like at no point have you acknowledged that 
your dogs are becoming a problem and you'll do anything to try and fix it, you know? Um, like, at one point, the wife is like, you know, I let the dogs out sometimes because I, I work from home and so I'll be inside and, and I kind of just tune them out. But usually they just sit at our door and bark at us because they want to come back inside. And I'm like, wait, skirt? So now you're acknowledging that you do leave them outside for long periods of time throughout the day, which earlier you told me never happens. But you're also telling me that the dogs just, like, sit at the door and bark to come back inside so, like, they don't want to be outside. Let them back in. Like, what the fuck? And then the husband, too, at one point was like, you know, it's a good thing we have those dogs out there because they alert us to snakes. And like, yeah, we live in the desert. There are snakes. But again, if the dogs are outside unattended, they're not alerting you to snakes. You're just like basically send them, sending them out into a snake pit unattended. Like, let the dogs back inside. <laughs> it, the whole thing was ridiculous and crazy. But after about 20, 25 minutes of going back and forth, I finally was just like, look, the bottom line is my husband and I are expecting twins in like two months and their bedroom is going to be right next to the wall that, that we share with your backyard. And I don't want to have to worry about your dogs waking them up every day. And like this saying this finally spurred something in them because the wife was like, oh, my God, you're having twins. We have twins. Ugh, we finally got somewhere. <laughs> the twin connection. So her teenage kids that I was telling you about, again, I don't know if it's just the twins, or I think there's more siblings, but two of them at least are twins. And so then she starts telling us like all about her twins and giving us advice and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, they're sweet kids, but you know, some days they just come home from school and just immediately start screaming at me. And, and I have to yell at them and say like, hey, be quiet, we have neighbors. And I literally was like, wait, wait. So so when your kids are screaming inside your house, you care if the neighbor's here. But when your neighbor actually comes over and says, hey, your pets outside are causing a disturbance, you tell me that like there's nothing you're going to do about it and you don't give a shit. Like I. You would think that after watching 10 years of reality television, I wouldn't I just wouldn't be surprised by how insane and stupid people are. But like when you when you encounter it in real life, it's quite jarring. Um, you know, I like don't know how to respond to people like that without straight up saying like, you sound so stupid. Nothing you're saying makes sense. And um, I didn't really want to say that to my next door neighbors. So I kind of just let it go and, and told them I was like, look, hopefully we can just move forward accordingly. I, you know, I hope that you guys hear us and will take note of the fact that your dogs are annoying as fuck. Um, and, you know, and then I also was like, and we will try and, you know, relax a little bit. But like, I'm not going to fucking do that. <laughs> you guys know me better. I'm not going to fucking relax. And I can tell you this much. It's been a week. Exactly. This happened last Monday. Um, and the dogs have been much quieter. I've heard a bark here or there, but it does seem like they've taken some action, which, you know what, like, that's all they had to say was come over and just be like, hey, so sorry, we'll work on it, you know? Um, like, it's really quite simple. But a lot of people don't know how to be accountable or, like, take any sort of ownership in their wrongdoing. And with that, shall we get into the Vanderpump Rules finale? Okay, the episode is appropriately called Hashtag Scandival. So my first takeaway is, like, 
wow, I think this is the first time we've ever had a Bravo show with this quick of a turnaround. Um, like the footage from this episode is only two months old and I don't think we've ever gotten to see drama play out on a show in real time like this. Ugh, what a time to be alive. These really are the best days of our lives. So the episode begins with a flashback to March 1st, the infamous night of Watch What Happens Live with Sheena and Raquel. Oh, if we only knew then what we know now. I mean, we'd find out in like 48 hours, but still, if we only knew then. In confessional, Tom explains what went down that night. While performing with his band, Tom Ham Duvall and the Biggest Losers, his phone dropped out of his pocket and Ariana grabbed it. Ariana then explains in confessional how she had women's intuition and she just knew she needed to check his phone. Honestly, no disrespect, but that's not called women's intuition. That's called I've been dating a serial cheater for a decade and I have zero trust in him. Rightfully so. So Ariana goes through his camera roll, which is interesting to me because I would probably go through like the texts or maybe the DMs, but she knew to look at his photos. And there was a screen recording of a FaceTime sex sesh with Rocky. I'm thinking we need to call Tom Bullwinkle from now on. Anyways, Bullwinkle, always one to make himself look even worse than we thought possible, tells producers that normally he would have deleted something like that, but he was just so busy that day. Normally, he would have deleted it. Normally, meaning this is a normal thing for him to have in his phone. He just usually hides it better. What the fuck? Guys, we're literally 60 seconds into this episode and my jaw is already on the floor. Give them all Emmys. Like, this is what television was created for. Ariana calls Rocky, who, as we know, is in New York with Sheena, and Rocky admits to all of it. So obviously, cameras picked right back up and the cast all rushes together to gossip about their friends. I mean, to do their job. So Ariana's with her friends in her house, but she's also surrounded by her arch nemesis, as Tom is also still in the house. He comes downstairs while Ariana is chillin' and the two have a truly horrifically awkward conversation. After Ariana tells Tom that she hopes he dies, which, you know, same, she asks him how Rocky's doing. The two then get into it and honestly, Tom's arrogance and anger is just wild. Like, the fact that he raises his voice at her and blows up at her is shocking and appalling, frankly. But Ariana nails it all on the head. Tom got a little money, a little bar, a little band, if that's what you want to call it, and the first fangirl he gets he is completely infatuated with and will do anything for. Ariana was too strong, too smart, and too independent for him. He needs a fangirl. He's a complete narcissist. He continues to make excuses and try to justify his actions, and at one point he literally tells Ariana, I want you to hear this. It's important that you know. Like, ugh, fuck you. Fuck you! Sorry. <laughs> this scene ends with one of the most dramatic and poignant monologues I've ever seen on my television screen. Like, Meryl Streep could never. Like I said, give Ariana an Emmy. Bullwinkle then goes over to Tom Schwartz's little shithole apartment. Like, honestly, the fact that this is a 40-something-year-old man's, like, bachelor pad is so pathetic. And Sandoval shows so much more emotion and so much more regret in his conversation with Schwartz than he did with Ariana. He says sorry to Schwartz, like, half a dozen times, but I don't remember hearing him say it once to Ariana. He tells Schwartz that he wanted to tell Ariana the truth, but he just got a vibe that she didn't want to know. You know, you gotta go with the vibes, bro. Sandoval then tells Schwartz that the affair didn't actually start the night of boys' night, it was the next night after Sandy and Raquel went to the Abbey. The Abbey! The night Ali saw them! So that whole second half of the season when Katie was making the little digs about that night at the Abbey, oh my god, Sandoval must have been shitting himself. 
Then he tells Schwartz that all Ariana really had to do, you know, if she really wanted to know what was going on, was follow him to make sure that he really went where he said he was going. Honestly, Ariana's such a dumb bitch for not following him. This on top of not stalking the pen drawer, like, she really had it coming. I would have cheated on her too. Obviously, I'm joking, guys, in case you don't get sarcasm. I don't want to confuse anyone and end up with a bunch of one-star reviews like shorts and sweaties. So Katie and Sheena put their shit aside to rally around Ariana, and Ariana tells the girls that, at first, Rocky only admitted to a first kiss starting their love affair, but later, Tom admitted that they fucked the first night. In his car. Outside of their house. And then he had to call Ariana to let him inside. Ugh. While people are admitting to things, Sheena does admit to shoving Raquel, but as she shows us with irrefutable scientific evidence, she couldn't have punched Raquel. She can't make a fist. She just can't. It's science. Katie also admits to having a very strange conversation with Schwartz back in October at BravoCon, where Schwartz made it clear that all of Raquel's fangirling wasn't over him. It was over his smelly, mustachioed business partner. DJ James Kennedy is an absolute mess over the scandal, and not for the reason that you may expect. He doesn't seem too mad or sad about Raquel, but he is devastated over Tom. He really feels like he was betrayed by a good friend, and that's the problem with someone like Tom Sandoval. He goes out of his way to make himself seem like a good friend when deep down he doesn't care about anyone. Even Schwartz, like, he clearly doesn't give a fuck if Schwartz wins or loses, but he will trick us all into thinking he's this angel of a friend because he has umbrellas and tampons at weddings. James hosts a girls' night, and honestly, it's way more entertaining than Sheena's boys' night, but it causes less of a shitstorm. Katie and Lala are in attendance, and Lala raises a really good point. This is clearly not the first time that Sandy has cheated. He must have felt pretty damn comfortable in his bullshit to do it with Ariana's best friend. So James does what all girlies do on a girls' night. They do the mean girls four-way call trick. So James dials Raquel while the rest of the girls listen in, and he really lets her have it. Going in on how she ruined her life over Tom Sandoval's stinky 40-year-old cocky cock. Like, honestly, this scene floored me. I was literally on the floor laughing. Give James the Emmy for best comedic performance. In a less intentionally funny scene, but a hilarious for all the wrong reasons scene, we finally get to see the happy couple together. Raquel and Sandoval, I mean Rocky and Bullwinkle, share a romantic moment over Coors Lights and Galaxy Lights. <laughs> and by romantic, I mean so fucking cringeworthy. She asks about his family, and he says that his family loves Raquel, to which she replies, I love you too. And then he corrects her. It's so uncomfortable. There's actually several moments in this scene where he kind of corrects her, and it makes it very clear to me that with Ariana, he was the beta. Like, he felt like she corrected him and told him what to do, and he just hated it. But now, he gets to do that with Raquel. In confessional, Raquel is literally smiling from ear to ear like a bona fide psychopath, explaining how she just wanted to fuck someone that she loves for once. Sorry, James. Then Raquel tells Sandoval what we're all thinking— how can I trust that you won't do this to me? <laughs> um, honey, he will. And literally two seconds later in his confessional, he basically admits to that, saying, I can't predict the future. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> this guy has zero integrity. So after filming, Raquel turned off her phone and disappeared. To Tucson. She's here with me, guys. And apparently now everyone thinks she's pregnant, but I doubt it. I feel like Tom's sperm are probably super weak, can barely swim are on meth and have weird mustaches. Definitely not baby makers. Ariana and Tom both go see Lisa, on their own, of course, and they both have very different conversations with her. Ariana and Lisa commiserate in Tom's tomfoolery and how Ariana deserves so much better. Tom, on the other hand, is basically told that he's a real Weasley motherfucker and he breaks down into a panic-attack-induced hissy fit. 
Katie and Schwartz also have a meetup, and it basically goes the same way. Katie calls Schwartz out for being a weasel and a liar, and implores him to give a straight answer for once in his fucking life, to quote Tamara Judge talking to Brooks Ayers. No, for real, when she told him to shock everyone and tell the truth for once, I mean, that shocked me. Katie Maloney really is the MVP of this season, if you ask me. And you're listening to my podcast, so I'm gonna assume that you're asking me. So there's a scene of Ariana chilling at home, and there's literally a counter full of flowers and cards and gifts for her, and I'm just dying knowing that Tom still lives there and he just had to see all of that shit being sent to her on the daily. <laughs> then Ariana gets a delivery that Tom probably wouldn't be too jealous of. Kristen Doty arrives. But honestly, it's a cute little scene, and they do some crystal healing, and they chat about how much their mutual ex-boyfriend sucks. Girl power. Speaking of girl power, the ladies all come together for a rooftop happy hour slash funeral for Tom and Raquel. Literally, the whole group is together, all dressed in black, except for Ariana, who's looking good as gold. Sheena reveals that earlier that day, Raquel filed for a temporary restraining order against her. But as we all remember, scientifically, the punch couldn't happen. It's impossible. NASA proved it. So Schwartz pops in on the girls' night to pull his puppy dog crap and try and convince Ariana that he's not so bad, but he is! And she basically says, cut the shit and get the fuck out of my face. We're not friends. I'm loving that the Toms are getting what they're due. And did you guys notice that he showed up wearing a Tom Tom hat? He literally wore Sandoval merch to go talk to Ariana. Like, I am disgusted by this vulgar, vile display. Later on, Sheena and Sandoval sit down for another Emmy Award-worthy scene. Sheena has never performed more in her life, even when she was on the Jonas Brothers show. But for real, she gives it to Sandoval so hard and so good. And uh, if Ariana is the best leading actress, then Sheena is best supporting actress, for sure. It's also revealed that Miami Girl really happened, and that there was at least one other time that Tom cheated on Ariana. And it's been implied by pretty much everyone at this point that it was... Billy fucking Lee. So just, I don't know, sit with that little nugget for a minute. Okay, you good? So Tom once again weaponizes Ariana's mental health against her, claiming that when he tried to break up with her, she threatened to kill herself. Okay, so first of all, I don't really even believe this, but if it is true, Tom using that against her as a reason for not ending things and instead cheating on her for seven months is so fucked up. Like, A of all, you don't want to hurt her by breaking up with her, so instead you hurt her by having an affair with her best friend? <laughs> Got it. And B of all, you've spent weeks telling everyone to lay off Raquel and respect her personal space as she works on her mental health. So how fucking dare you put your ex on blast like this? Like, how fucking dare you? You guys, I've never hated anyone like I hate Tom Sandoval. I think I need a therapist. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? 
Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plum, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Cinnamon, you'll enjoy all the benefits Cinnamon has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Cinnamon.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Cinnamon.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Cinnamon definitely helps. All right, guys, I am so excited for today's special guest. She is everyone's favorite Laguna Biatch. I'm talking about Kelly Williams. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Blake. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for being here. So like I said, you are the Laguna Biatch. Uh, you run a hugely popular Instagram account that is, um, you know, mainly dedicated to Laguna Beach, but also kind of encompasses all nostalgia, specifically that kind of like early to mid aughts, um, the time that we all know and love. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how did you get started with your Instagram page? And like, wh what would you classify your page as? Or like, are you a meme page? Or like, wh what kind of category would you um, put yourself in? I don't know, probably like a nostalgia page. I would mm -hmm. say just nostalgia in general. I guess a fan page. I make some memes. But most posts are just directed at like straight nostalgia stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How did um, you get sucked into the world of Instagram? Yeah. So I actually started in 2017. Laguna Biatch has been around for almost six years, which is wow. crazy. Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Basically, I saw all these um, fan pages popping up. And like, I'm a huge One Tree Hill fan. I was like, I could make a page about One Tree Hill. And I was like drinking wine with my friend and I brought up the idea and I was like, what about Laguna Beach? Nobody talks about Laguna Beach in the hills anymore. What if I just post about that? And then, of course, uh, Mad TV had the Laguna Beach skit. Mm -hmm. so I did steal my name from that skit. But but yeah, I just started posting and it was really well received by the cast. And it's, it's been really fun. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, who from the cast has reached out to you? Have you ever upset anyone on the cast? Are you friends with anyone from the cast? I've definitely upset at least one cast member. Um, I don't want to, I'll give you a hint instead okay. of saying exactly. Yeah. She was like a sidekick that wasn't Low Bosworth. And she was also in Hills and Laguna. Okay. So Jen Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> got pretty mad at me once um she no. wait she apparently is like a doctor now i saw recently which like I, that wasn't on my bingo card for jen bunny like becoming a doctor i i i don't know what her specialty is but like i'm nervous about that i get i think it's like medicine something with medicine i don't want her prescribing anything to anyone <laughs> It wasn't all Brody. It was you. Right. It was all Jen Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, most of the cast has, I've talked and been able to interview a lot of them. The only one who hasn't is Lauren Conrad. And I uh, almost- The like, elusive Elsie. And I respect it, right? Yeah. At this point, I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I still love you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I actually give her a lot of credit 
for choosing to not talk about the shows really anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. um, she was on Kristen and Steven's podcast uh, earlier this year, which was kind of like a, a big deal. No one really knew if she was going to come on the show. Um, and then they did their little reunion during COVID to raise money. But besides that, she really doesn't talk about it. And all of the rest of them can't seem to stop talking about it. So I give her a lot of credit for really leaving that part of her life behind. And especially, you know, like every few years, she'll kind of pop up in the headlines in relation to the show. And like, I remember when they started doing The Hills reboot and- Mm -hmm. There was a scene that started gaining a lot of traction between like Heidi and Audrina and Kristen. And they are kind of talking about the fallout with Lauren Conrad and how it all went down. And and it kind of went viral at the moment. And I was waiting for her to speak up and kind of tell her side of it. And she didn't. And I respect the shit out of her for that, you know? I totally agree with you. I feel like it would be really difficult to keep your mouth shut in those types of moments when the whole world has an opinion, especially now with social media, like when the show was first on, they couldn't really respond in real time. But for her to, you know, know that this is all going on and know that people are still 15 years later talking about it. And she just kind of sits back and counts her money. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) must be nice. Her her husband, her kids, Queen of Coles. Yeah, honestly, honestly. Okay. So obviously you're the Laguna Beach. So I want to know all about your life in 2004, when Laguna Beach first premiered, what was going on in the life of Kelly and why was this show so, um, so important to you? And why did it resonate so much with you? Honestly, I think it was like the first reality show I ever really watched other than the real world or challenge, those type of shows. Mm -hmm. And I'm from Massachusetts. So seeing these rich California kids, and I was a huge OC fan too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just insane to see how like the other side lived. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, it was like looking into a completely different world. You you didn't really see yourself in any of these characters. I mean, maybe to a point, definitely Jessica. In season okay. two and how oh my oh we're gonna have to talk about that i need to know where the jessica in in you lies <laughs> i was so insecure for oh, okay. so long i just felt so insecure like i was doing things wrong or you know even trying to like date the wrong people right well yeah so, definitely yeah, I, that I is saw... like jessica's key <laughs> characteristic <laughs> right exactly so i i really like jessica i really thought lo was really funny in season mm-hmm. one So she's kind of the one who like hooked me into the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, for better or worse, I kind of grew up in a very similar lifestyle to these kids. I didn't grow up, you know, near the beach, but I grew up in a little suburban bubble where everyone had known everyone since childhood. And the vast majority of the kids were uber wealthy and their parents were just, you know, jet setting all weekend. And so we got to play in their mansions. And so for me, it was was kind of like, getting to to watch my friends and I in a way like getting that kind of mirror image back and I remember like you know watching the the first season and in the I think it's the the pilot episode they have the black and white affair and I remember I had just thrown like a black and white dinner for all of my friends and I was like oh my god I'm LC like I I truly could relate so hard to these people and so it's interesting how like across the board, whether you saw yourself in them and you were like, oh yeah, this is exactly like me and my friends, or you were on the complete opposite spectrum and you were like, I could never imagine this in my wildest dreams. There was something so insanely captivating about this show that was so different than anything that had been on TV before. 
For sure. I mean, even the music that they picked and I learned so many new artists just from that show. Mm -hmm. So I do think it was ahead of its time when it came out. I mean, Adam DeVello like single-handedly changed the course of reality TV. And that's not to say that he necessarily like came up with these groundbreaking ideas cinematically, but but he did come up with the idea of like taking the the format of a show like The OC, like a, a soapy drama and turning that into a reality style docu-series. Like that had never been done. Like the shows you mentioned before, The Real World, even though it was a docu-series, like it was so different than than Laguna Beach. Like Laguna Beach was shot and and presented to us almost like it was supposed to be a scripted drama. And mm -hmm. that's kind of how all shows now are shot. I mean, the all of the B-roll footage and like, you know, even we see it on The Real Housewives and everything, there's always like these cinematic sweeping shots that like, we never had that in in the MTV days of reality TV, you know? Um, so, so it definitely changed the course of reality television. Now, one thing that is different now in reality TV that, um, I sometimes wonder what Laguna Beach would have been like if they had had confessionals. Like now that is kind of a staple of reality TV. Do you think that the show was better and it worked because it didn't have those confessional moments? I mean, how do you think that that would play into it? Do you think that would have worked with this show? I don't think it would have worked with Laguna, but I think for the Hills, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but again, they never broke the fourth wall, mm -hmm. which I thought, you know, rewatching it, it's almost funny to be like, wow, this show is actually pretty boring yeah. because it doesn't have like the fourth wall breaking. The Hills is really just like longing glances. Totally. Republic in the background. <laughs> literally, literally. It's, it's just like pretty girls looking at each other, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But there was something about that that was like hugely captivating. And we didn't need, you know, these huge, epic blow up fights. I mean, don't get me wrong when those moments did happen and they were few and far between because Elsie kept it classy. But when they did happen, like the you know what you did moment at Ledoux and all the moments at Ledoux. God, Ledoux. Um, I mean, but we didn't need those every single episode. The the drama really kind of at its core was like felt in those those like looks and those glances and that is an art form i i don't think a housewife could do that now i mean that was something that those girls i mean especially lc that slow motion black tear i don't know how they did that but that is like textbook tv gold right there yeah totally agree with you and again i think the fact they weren't always screaming made it seem more real because mm -hmm. me and my friends will have fights here and there but it's not typical that we're screaming at each other every single time we go out yeah no exactly i mean most of the time my husband knows i'm upset because i'm like glaring at him from across the room so <laughs> this was like reality at its realist honestly it was gets the right. point across exactly all right so so you said that you really connected with Jessica, would were you like all in in season one or did you kind of um, come more into it towards season two? Because the two seasons, in my opinion, are like vastly different in the tone. Totally different. I mean, I watch season one regularly every week and I have mm -hmm. like the box sets and all of that. Right. But season two is when I was like, oh, this is like drama drama. Yeah. Season two amped up the drama. And I think that class, like I think Season one was the class of 04 
2004 and then and then season two was the class of 2005 um the class of 2005 at laguna beach high they were wild like they it and again this is another reason why i feel like i could relate so hard to this show like my group of friends and especially like the popular kids in my year were all kind of similar to like the Laurens and mm-hmm. the Lowe's where they were like good kids. They were responsible. They like, yeah, we would party, but like ultimately like, you know, like the most popular girl in, in my grade is now my attorney. So like that, that's, that says a lot, you know, right, the grade, right. the grade below us on the other hand, they were fucking shit shows. Like they were nuts. And so I think that that kind of resonated, you know, watching the season two, gang come along I was like holy shit these kids are wild yeah for sure and I had the same experience as as you except my grade was the bad grade oh god Kelly (laughs) I was kind of like the Lauren like I wasn't in trouble ever yeah but our grade definitely had like we had to be breathalyzed before prom oh my god we were like really bad (laughs) wow that's wild well I, I'm I'm sure if cameras were following your grade around, it would have been epic as well. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> so were you team Elsie or were you team Kristen? I was for sure an Elsie girl. Yeah, like, me too. I thought Kristen was mean. And it's funny re-watching it. It's like, no, I was just uncomfortable that a 16-year-old could be that comfortable with who they are. 100%. I mean, well, what's interesting too is she came across as so uber confident. Um, mm. But now like listening back, I don't know if you've, I'm, I'm sure you've been listening to Back to the Beach. Um, you know, she talks about how insecure she was at the time. But yeah, like she seemed like the most secure, confident, sure of herself 16-year-old that I had ever seen. Um, I certainly had never seen anyone like that portrayed on TV before because even in shows like the OC for example the the characters like Summer Roberts character for example Rachel Bilson like yes she was supposed to be confident and and sexual but like we found out right away that she was actually really insecure and kind of where those things lied but with Kristen like Kristen Cavallari was a bad bitch before bad bitch was even a term you know like Absolutely. and and I mean she kind of like created that remember when she did come back to the hills and they literally had a whole campaign of like the bee is back you know like she personified what it was to be young and beautiful and confident and that's something that like none of the other girls on the show had i mean they were young and beautiful but none of them had that that confidence that Kristen had for sure and she leaned into it so well i feel like a lot of people really try and fight like a narrative that Mm -hmm. a show puts on them Mm -hmm. but Kristen was like no you want to see me be a bitch or whatever I will be one yeah yeah absolutely and you know for better or worse we saw how that kind of followed her throughout her career and like even still to this day I I really like Kristen I listen to her podcast but like I still think that she's a bitch (laughs) it's it's just it's kind of who she is and like lover or hater but that's who she is and like lauren conrad will forever be the girl next door despite the fact that she is and always was like a multi-millionaire that like none of us could ever afford to live next door to but like she she is kind of that uh personification of of like that the trope of a girl next door Mm -hmm. um especially for us millennials like she is that girl you know yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And I was actually talking to someone the other day. She's like the OG influencer too. You know, mm-hmm. I saw her drinking sugar-free Red Bull. I wanted to drink sugar-free Red Bull. I saw her with a side braid. I wanted that too. My God, the, every girl and their mom was wearing headbands, 
like big chunky headbands and like like i remember when she cut like the big swoopy side bangs and everyone did the big swoopy side bang which you still have to this day kelly (laughs) i know it's honestly it's because my full bangs are grown out we just need you to put in like a black and white polka dot headband and call it a day just like go to work at teen vogue I'll order one right after the episode. Please do. Please do. Oh my God. Okay. So what were your thoughts as they started like uh, transitioning into the Hills? Were you super excited about that? Were you a little weary? Were you like, what's this new show going to be? Oh no. I would have followed Lauren Conrad into the depths of hell. If oh, she me too. Me. 100%. She I never would like, because she's such a sweetheart, but <laughs> I follow her. Like, I will jump first if you need me to. Yeah. Honestly, I'll catch you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember being super excited about it, too. For sure. And this first season was really boring. And I'm not Spencer's biggest fan by any means. I will say that. But, you know, he did create a lot of controversy. And without that, I don't know how if the show will be as iconic as it is today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was going to ask, like, what are your thoughts overall on Spencer and Heidi, Um, you know, both as characters on the hills and like as, you know, characters off the hills, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's really easy for the Hills cast because they conveniently don't remember things Mm -hmm. or conveniently it's all fake, Mm -hmm. but you kind of got to give them something to edit. Right. And I'm not saying Spencer didn't self-produce because I do think he did, but, and I know he's rebranded and done all these things. So maybe Spencer's grown. He's like the butterfly boy now, (laughs) like the hummingbird man or something. (laughs) But like people don't remember outside of the show, he was like, selling stories about Lauren. He was oh, yeah. really being just awful to this girl. Awful. Yeah, yeah. So, so whether or not the things that he was saying or selling, the stories he was selling, whether they were true or not, he was still saying them and he was still perpetuating them as true. So to your point, like, yeah, it's really convenient for them now to be like, oh yeah, it was all fake. Like it was, you know, none of it was real. But like at the time, the the repercussions of it were very real for Lauren. Right. And I think at the time it was pretty real to Lauren. Like I have this theory and I'd love to hear your opinion that like everyone was in on it, but Lauren. Honestly, I, I believe I I could believe that, or I could at least believe that everyone, even if they weren't in on it with one another, I think everyone, but Lauren probably had the same idea as like, of like, we're just going to go in and create chaos for the sake of a show. And I think she really was trying her best to like, keep it as authentic as possible and, and keep the through line of the show being about like, you know, a, a young girl trying to make it in LA and not have it be about like manufactured drama. So I agree. I think she was on an island in that regard and everyone else on the show was like purposely trying to stir shit up and she was just trying to swat it all away the whole time. I, sure. I do feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel really, really bad for her that she had to go through that alone. You know, I think back and like, she brought Heidi onto this show. Like that was her friend. They didn't have like some long history. They had like just recently become friends and she entrusted this girl to like come and and be a part of her life in like such a public way. And I just feel, I've always felt really bad that it turned on her so negatively, you know, like the way that that all went down. I mean, Heidi knows what she did. <laughs> and I think it's so interesting how the discourse has changed so much because now everyone's like Lauren was controlling Lauren mm-hmm. was a, like really aggressive right. friend 
And I was like, she was just 21 making boundaries. Right. 100%. And so here's the thing. I think what we were talking about before, the fact that Lauren has kind of kept her mouth shut, I think that has unfortunately helped the narrative on the other side because Mm -hmm. they've kept talking about it. That's what we've heard. Lauren isn't really defending herself anymore. So people tend to just kind of shift and be like, yeah, you're right, Heidi. Lauren was a really bad friend. But in looking back, like, I agree. I don't think she was a bad friend. I think she was setting boundaries. And when you look at like the the situation that they were in, in terms of being on a show that was shopped and sold as the Lauren Conrad show, it was a show that was about her and following her to LA. Like the thing that you hear a lot now, um, you know, specifically from Heidi is like, yeah, like she tried to run me off that show. Like she told me if I didn't do what she wanted, like then I was off the show and blah, blah, blah. And, and in the context of like reality shows today, where we think of them as like, you know, true ensemble casts, that's a big no go. Like, you know, someone thinking that they're the ultimate producer, they're casting, like we, we don't like that. But when you think about 2006, this was the Lauren Conrad show. If the show is supposed to be about her and her group of friends and you're no longer her friend, I I understand why she's like, okay, well then you're not going to be on the show because you're not my friend anymore. And I've also always felt really bad for her in that regard because like imagine having a show that's about you and your life and then your worst enemy is on that show. Like that sucks. For sure. And another thing that the Hills cast love to bring up, they're like, you know, the show is supposed to be with Kristen, not Lauren. And it's like, okay, then Heidi, you wouldn't have a platform. Audrina, you wouldn't have a platform. I don't know why you're trying to make this some, some like hot point when you wouldn't be on the show if they went with Kristen. Yeah. And I don't even know how true that is because even from Kristen directly and Steven, you know, when they're on back to the beach talking about all this, like, it's very clear that the producer's knew Lauren was the, the like, you know, center of this world. And it sounds like they were already kind of teeing up the hills with Lauren while season Mm -hmm. two of Laguna Beach was filming. Um, Because that's why, that's why she moved home. That's why she left San Francisco, which was in the middle of them filming season two of Laguna Beach. So Mm -hmm. I don't even know how true that is, but again, to your point, like, yeah, so that so what? Even if it was, then you wouldn't have this platform. So like, thank Elsie and shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you should make merch that says that. <laughs> Honestly, thank Elsie and shut the fuck up. Honestly, right. truly, truly. What about like, ugh, what about like the Perez Hilton of it all? Do you remember back then how he was just like always involved and he was so gross and icky? Do you remember how he used to call her beef curtains? And you know, he called her that because of a Spencer Pratt journal entry trash people. I don't care how many hummingbirds you feed. You will always be trash in my eyes. Spencer. Right. And, and like Perez, the way he went after obviously Lauren, but also like Misha Barton, I mm-hmm. felt really like it was just unfair. Yeah. Like those, obviously he went after everybody, but those two specifically stick with me like to this day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What I mean, interesting too, like the, the parallels of them being from like kind of the same universe, you know, like they're Mm -hmm. not, but then they are. And then to that point, like, what do you think about Misha joining the Hills when they did the reboot? What that, what was that about? Honestly, at first I was like, what the fuck is this? And then once she was on the show, I was like, wait, I actually want to see Misha's comeback. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Misha do movies again. And just that they focused more with her in that, 
But they, I mean, the Hills reboot, they never knew what they were doing with that show. It was such a missed opportunity. It, Like you said, it, it didn't know what it was. It didn't know what it wanted to be. It didn't know what it was supposed to be. Um, yeah, she, like... It, no disrespect to Misha and not saying that like Misha doesn't have a place, you know, on TV anymore, but like that wasn't it. I didn't need to see Misha Barton hanging out with Audrina Patridge. Like it just felt like it felt weird. It felt like the producers were like, well, you know, Laguna beach and the Hills, like it's, mm-hmm. it's basically the same thing. So you guys won't notice. And it's like, no, we, we definitely notice, you know? Right. We're not that stupid, guys. We're not stupid anymore. That's one thing. (laughs) That's one thing I've definitely clocked while listening to Back to the Beach is like, wow, we were all so gullible back then. I mean, to be fair, we had never had a reality show that was filmed and produced in this way, so we didn't know. But like hearing all of the stories about like just how you know how heavily produced it was, how like everything is seemingly out of order how like nothing Mm -hmm. was, was presented in the way that it was actually filmed, which again, like we know to expect this now, but at the time I remember like truly thinking like, oh, I'm just spending, you know, I'm spending a day in the life with these characters. Like I truly took everything at face value. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think one of the biggest, I was interviewing either Alex M or Jessica and we brought up like Alex M bringing Jason to winter formal. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were like, they didn't show you that Jessica and Jason were broken up when I asked him. Yeah. They just, and then they got back together before it, but Jessica was like, no, please go with him still. Yeah, right. And it, obviously now, all these years later, it's like, I wish I got to see that too. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, what's also interesting too, like finding out how many things happened during the off season, which then they were like, okay, we got to kind of like recreate this. Can you guys like pretend to have this conversation again or, you know, what, what have you. And now we see how important it is. Like, you know, look at Vanderpump rules when something happens in, in the off season cameras up, like we can't, we can't like, <laughs> get this later on and pretend that it's current. Like the fans are on to that. We are looking for everything. We're looking for the hairstyles. We're looking for the outfits to match. We're looking for like the lighting to look the same. People catch when someone has like a chipped nail in a Mm -hmm. confessional that wasn't there before, you know? So they really couldn't get away with any of the things that they, that they did then now. Um, And hearing about all of them in specifics, like it makes me feel so stupid. I feel like, we should have known better. I feel like we've been conned a little bit. Just kids. We didn't know. I know. We were just kids. We really were just kids. And I mean, so were they. How wild is that? That like, we're, we really were just watching a bunch of 16 year olds, like shit faced, like doing crazy stuff. I can't, I can't imagine having my life documented at that time. No, we all sucked at 17. We just didn't have cameras on. Kelly, I still suck. I still suck. The difference is like, I get to choose when I turn this camera on, you know? And then I get to choose when I turn it off. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, I, I, I can't imagine being judged for who I was at 16. And again, like to Kristen Cavallari, I'm sorry that I just called you a bitch 10 minutes ago. Like it's hard, it's hard for me to like let that go because I know that she's not that girl anymore. And um, I mean, for all I know, Elsie's the bitch now. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. We, none of us know. I would kill for another Elsie show though. I would love to see Lauren Conrad back on my screen. Do you remember when she almost had that show? That was about, yeah, it was, 
it was something about, yeah, like her paper crown business. And I remember the intro was like the stop motion thing. I would watch anything with Lauren Conrad on it. Truly. I know. Just, just make a TikTok, Lauren, and I'll watch it. <laughs> I know. Make a, a hair braiding tutorial. I mean, imagine, imagine if like tutorials or get ready with me's were around during the time of the Hills. Imagine if she was a true influencer. Like imagine if she had sponsored posts at the time. She was kind of like the original Kim Kardashian. I'm putting, I'm saying that here and now I'm putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I'm always right, Kelly. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Okay. I want to talk about Heidi Montag's plastic surgery. I don't even know where to begin. So I thought she was so cute before the plastic surgery. Do you, do you blame Hollywood? Do you blame Spencer? Do you blame like mental illness? I don't know. Where do you think it comes from? I almost feel like it was the perfect storm of everything because I can remember Heidi getting hate being called like the ugly friend or the ugly one when she wasn't. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. And then I think just little things started to change. Like by season three, you see her nose is different and just like little changes. And I don't, I can't, I don't think you can blame just Spencer, but I think being in that Hollywood warped world and constantly remember that you were called like the ugly friend on season one, that has to do something. Yeah, for sure. I I also feel really bad for her because, and I don't, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't think anyone should uh, be judged for the choices they make. I think if someone, you know, wants to have work done, that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. I think it was just like really shocking and jarring and sad how it all went down and how she literally had like 10 surgeries at once and became like, like a blow up doll. Um, yeah. I think the most tragic part about all of it is that this all happened kind of like right in between the like shift, like <laughs> pre-Heidi, the look was like, you know, Pamela Anderson, like giant boobs and like, she got this tiny little nose and like, mm-hmm. like the, like every, everything was done to adhere to an aesthetic that was on its way out. And like the new plastic surgery look is very different than how she looks. And so it's like, I would just wish she had waited a couple years or gone to a better doctor or something because she looks tragic in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. And one thing about Spidey, everything they did was outrageous, right? So yes. I feel like that's why she did all those surgeries in one day. Right. Just for outrage. I mean, it wasn't like she didn't go in and get a, a double D cup. She got like a like a triple F. Like they're mm-hmm. like no human should have that size boob. And and again, she was coming from that kind of world where everyone was like blonde and have huge boobs but like we've kind of shifted out of that a little bit and so I feel bad for her like uh she just really like it almost it it like trapped her in that era which is like so outdated now you know for sure poor thing because she was so cute I also thought her personality the first season was so fun and bubbly and yeah, like, I mean, I know people really like Spencer now, and I I hope for both of their sakes that he is a great husband and they are happy and, you know, their kids are cute. And so I, I'm wishing them all the best. But like, in terms of what we watched on that show, it was really sad for me to watch her be brought down by him so much. Like, how different would the show have been if like, she had listened to Lauren and she had broken up with him and we had gotten to see these like, like hot girls run in LA, you know, we never got to see that. And it's sad to me. Yeah. 
I totally agree. I mean, even Audrina and Lauren, when they were both single, she Audrina was still wrapped up in Justin Bobby. So totally. And I, what do you think about like a friend like Lauren who will always give you her opinion, even if it's not the thing you want to hear? Like, you know, she was always the friend who was going to tell you like, hey, I don't like your boyfriend. And that sometimes can rub people the wrong way. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah. So I'm the Lauren Conrad friend. <laughs> Me too. 100%. That's where like the black heart comes from is people are always like, why can't you just be sensitive to me? And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to like be a good friend here. Yeah. I'm trying to grow and realize when people are venting to me about people or whatever, they're not necessarily asking for my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I'm really trying to learn because I would tell people, I'd be like, well, you're dating a complete dick. Right. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. yeah. Homeboy wore combat boots to the beach. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah. I'm, I'm that friend too. And I think as I've gotten older, you know, obviously my friend group has gotten smaller. And so the people who've stuck around, they appreciate that about me, but definitely like struggle city for a while, because I would tell someone like, you're making really stupid choices or like the person you're with is an idiot. And not everyone wants to hear that, you know? And like, for me, if I was dating someone that everyone hated, or if I was making really bad choices, I would want someone to sit me down and be like, Hey, like, what the fuck are you thinking? Right. Well, I also am like smart enough to realize if everyone around me has the same opinion, like they're probably right. I actually last year had to like end a friendship over this same thing. Like I was the Lauren and he was the Heidi and his, his partner was just like a true piece of shit. And like, not just to him, but like to all of us and like made me feel really uncomfortable, said really mean things about me. And I was like, I don't want to be around this person. And ultimately like the boundaries had to be drawn. Um, mm -hmm. But again, like in those situations, I, I, I think to myself, WWLCD, what would Lauren Conrad do? I love that. <laughs> that needs to be on a shirt too, right? Absolutely. Like, shut the fuck up. Say thank you to Lauren. And <laughs> WWLCD. Uh, all right. I, I have a little game for us, Kelly. Oh, I'm excited. Buck, Mary kill. Ooh. Jason Waller. Mm -hmm. Spencer Pratt. Brent Bolthouse. <laughs> and I feel like they all have like mostly negatives but like maybe a positive here or there honestly i'd probably marry jason okay i'd fuck brent okay and then spencer okay all right i similar i would i would definitely kill spencer like uh, bye bye um i think that i would fuck jason and i think mm -hmm. i would marry brent bolthouse just because then i am like Part of like the bolt house fortune like i can go to whatever nightclub i want to i guess even though i'm not like really much of a clubber these days in my old age but just knowing the option is there you know mm, yeah <laughs> now i'm are, thinking i'm like maybe i like your answers better <laughs> i know are you like picturing yourself with jason yeah i feel you i feel you um okay what other reality shows do you watch or like what other okay what other reality reality shows did you watch like back then in the laguna beach era and then what reality shows are you currently watching i mean i was watching real world and the challenge and i still watch the challenge like i can't that's still on oh my god yeah. <laughs> it's been probably the longest relationship i've ever been in for wow. sure <laughs> good for you guys congratulations thank you um i still watch teen mom i wish i didn't but i'm very invested in those girls but and they're not even teen moms anymore they're like almost middle-aged moms they're my they're 30 <laughs> yeah it's like appropriate mom. Yes, mom. like just just regular old moms over here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I watch Vanderpump Rules. I love Summer House. Um, 
I love Below Deck. I'm like obsessed with Below Deck right now. Yeah. I yeah. just binge watched all of it basically. And I'm obsessed. Amazing. Who's your favorite captain of all of the captains? Um, Captain Glenn from Zane. Okay. Love that. I love yeah. that. Amazing. I mean, all right. We have to talk about the scandal. We have to talk about Vanderpump Rules. Are mm-hmm. you all caught up? I am. Yes. Okay. So you watched the finale. Mm-hmm. Was your jaw just on the floor the entire episode? I felt like I wasn't breathing. Ditto. Same here. <laughs> I I was feeling all the emotions, um, mostly anger and like like nausea. Um, I could not believe the scenes with Rachel. She had a smile on her face the entire time. I really have said this since episode one of this season. I really think Raquel was on drugs like like all season. Even some um scenes with Lala in the early part of this season she's like slurring her words and kind of not making sense like I think there is not that it excuses her behavior mm-hmm. but I do think there's like a darker yeah storyline that we just don't know for sure well Sandoval is definitely allegedly on drugs um right. I mean just look at him he like looks like a worm right. with a mustache on meth um And Lala actually made a comment. I forget if it was on her podcast or on watch what happens or somewhere where she, she like implied that, that the affair started because Sandoval and Raquel were like doing drugs together. And so whoever she was speaking to, it must've been on watch what happens, like kind of responded and was like, Oh, well like, like smoking pot. And she responded like, and other stuff. Um, And again, this is not like uh, to drag anyone who wants to experiment with drugs at all. Like Mm. I've I've been to a music festival. I get it. But I agree. I think that there was some like habitual drug use that led to some very, very sketchy behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I think ending it with that Sheena scene. Ooh chef's kiss honestly sheena deserves like an emmy for that do they give out emmy awards for reality tv because if she does like best reality tv performance ever goes to sheena shea that was so good um and like i'm i'm so happy to see her like stand in her convictions um Mm -hmm. I, I will say that like we saw Sheena cry over the scandal more than we saw anyone else cry over it. She's definitely well, she milking this. She's a reality this. star. She's I know, a reality star at heart. But she was like, I feel like she thinks she was more affected by this than any of them. Um, which like, you know, good for her for, for really feeling that like main character energy. <laughs> like even when it's not about her, it's about her. So that's Absolutely. so good for her. Good for her. Um, I also felt like it was so interesting how every scene with Sandoval, his um, narrative changed. It was mm-hmm. never the same, like depending on who he was talking to. And I felt like that was really surprising given the fact that like, you would think someone in his position would would at least plan what they're going to say or be like, okay, everyone's going to have the same questions. Everyone's going to want the same answers. Like it's weird to me that everyone got a different story from him. Like, did he not realize that he was being filmed? Yeah. I almost feel like he was trying to trick the audience into feeling like Ariana is this cold person. She's a bitch. She's you know, I couldn't leave her because she's so cold and broken. And it's like, no, we already don't like you. Right. You're not going to change. Maybe you'll change some minds. But watching that, I wasn't like, you know what? He has some points. Right. Exactly. Imagine who is at home being like, wow, you know, 
this Tom Sandoval guy is really, really making sense right now. <laughs> and even say, even if he was telling the truth, a hundred percent, we know he wasn't, but even if he was, it's still not an excuse to cheat on someone. That's exactly what I was saying is like, e even if all of these things were true and Ariana was horrible and threatening to kill herself, which I don't really believe. And even if she did, I think it's gross that he keeps putting that mm -hmm. out there. Um, even if all of it was true, that still doesn't justify having a seven month affair. Like if you're saying to us that this girl is so like, you know, on edge and about to lose her mind and like, you know, is, is a basically a loose cannon. And so, so much so that you couldn't possibly even like, break her little heart or hurt her, then why are you doing something to break her heart and hurt her? Like that doesn't make sense. For sure. And one thing they really brushed over, which I have so many questions about mm -hmm. is during this sexed FaceTime, it was at uh, Schwartz's. I'm yeah. like, was Schwartz with him? Where were they? So yeah, Schwartz, we've seen Schwartz's little one bedroom apartment. He does not have a like mansion anymore. Sandoval was not like, you know, in the guest room. This was like either in the bathroom, like super sketchy, like standing over the sink, like molesting himself, disgusting. Right. Or yeah, just like in the living room while Schwartz is sitting there, like also getting off, which I, I, I'm not, I <laughs> allegedly, allegedly guys, this is all about <laughs> No, for real though. I mean, so where do you stand on the shorts of it all? Do you think he's complicit in all of this? Do you think that he's like an innocent victim or is he somewhere in the middle? He's always driven me crazy. Mm. You know, mm. he gets, he gets by on, I always say he aw shuckses his way out of everything. <gasps> totally. He's like, oh, shucks, I'm just a little guy. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Oh my and God. Every scene where he has to like apologize or own something. I mean, even in this episode, when he goes to like talk to Katie, he's like, Hey, what's going on y'all? It's like, shut the fuck up and get to the point. Like, exactly. come on. I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to. No, no. I, do you think that the Toms and Raquel will be back next season? Or do you think that this is the end of it for them? Oh, a hundred percent. I don't know if Raquel will be back. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if Raquel will be back. But I think Tom Sandoval is going to get in like his like Taylor Swift reputation era and oh really lean into it and uh, really being a rock star and lean into like, yeah. I hate him. I hate him in his rock star era. He's so gross. <laughs> and Ariana totally nailed it. It's like he wanted like a little groupie. Like he just wanted someone who would follow him around that like doesn't have a sense of of themselves. And and in watching the episode last night, um, it it was really clear to me, like the scenes with with Sandoval and Raquel, which were so gross and awkward and uncomfortable. But um, you know, we've seen Sandoval's like seemingly his biggest gripe with Ariana is that he feels like she talks down to him and like is kind of condescending and like snaps at him in public and, and all that stuff, which like, I'm sorry, if you say stupid shit, then like expect your partner to tell you to shut up, but whatever. Right. Um, but what I found so interesting is then in the scenes of him and Raquel, like he does that to Raquel, like mm -hmm. in, in one five minute scene, I think he corrected her like two or three times. And so it's, it's very telling that he just, was not happy being the beta in his previous relationship. And now he can finally feel like the alpha, but it's really easy to be the alpha when your partner is Raquel Levis. Yeah. I mean, it's like just, aim higher. There's still a part of me that does have some like empathy for Raquel. Cause I know she's talked about her childhood and like, she thought her aunt or her mom was her aunt for most of her life. Like there is this sadness that I see in her, but I don't, it doesn't excuse the cheating. Right, right. Agreed. And if anything, I just think it just makes it even 
ickier that like Sandoval took advantage of this poor girl. And I think, I truly do think she was easily manipulated. I think that she isn't very bright. I think that she is like, you know, someone who would very quickly be pulled into a cult. Um, so mm-hmm. none of this is all that shocking, but I think it just shows the type of person that Tom Sandoval is attracted to. And that's someone that he can manipulate and control. And it's it's gross. It doesn't make him look good at all. I mean, that was the biggest thing to me is everything that he said in this episode made him look so much worse. Like, who's yeah. his PR person? Or when he said something when he was with Schwartz and he's like, she could have followed me in her car and then would have known I was lying. Right. It's her fault. It's her fault for trusting her boyfriend. She He said that on the Howie Mandel episode too. Like she, you know, she just believed everything I said. So like, you know, she shouldn't have trusted me. It's like, wait, so you're really blaming her for like trusting her boyfriend of 10 years? Like you sick son of a bitch. Absolutely. God, he's such a piece of shit. Such a piece right. of shit. Well, if you had to say one thing to Tom Sandoval right now, what would you say to him? I kind of would just be like, grow up. Yeah. Like, just grow up. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's yeah. like sounds tame, but that's the only way I can sum it up. No, 100%. I also think that like needs to be said to Schwartz. And I think it's yeah. really sad that these are two like almost 45 year old men and we're having to be like, grow the fuck up and shave that disgusting mustache. Just take accountability and grow up. Yeah, honestly. Now, I do wonder, it now. I wonder if it would change if he did take accountability right away. If he did put out like, instead of apologizing to his like business partners, if it was an apology to Ariana or something like that. If it would have changed. 100%. The way that he handled, the way both of them, uh, Tom and Raquel handled all of this publicly and on social media and with their like, you know, respective like TMZ interviews and Howie Mandel interviews, all of that. It made things so much worse. They Mm -hmm. both should have just immediately released a statement saying sorry and then disappeared. He should have canceled his tour. And I think she kind of did. I I think she definitely pulled back and has disappeared. But you see, like, you know, despite the fact that we're led to believe she's in some like insane asylum somewhere, allegedly, um, we see she's like on social media still. And she's still like watching people's stories and watching people's lives and all this stuff. And it's like, part of me thinks that both of them really enjoy the notoriety that they've gained from this. And they cannot look away. They cannot just like... Which, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know if I could remove myself from a conversation that I was at the center of, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I could do that either. But I think that would have been the smartest thing for them to do. I don't think they're smart, though. (laughs) Totally agree with you. Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, with that said, I thank them for an incredible season 10 of Vanderpump Rules. It's been a wild fucking ride. I know. Thank you, honestly, for giving us another season. Of- yeah. <laughs> and kind of back to basics. I mean, it'd been a while since we had like uh, an incestual cheating scandal in Vanderpump Valley. So I feel like we're kind of back to square one. And sure. I mean, you, you know, honestly, you know that we love to go back, back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I just that had to bring beautiful. it all back, all back, full circle, full circle. Kelly, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for sitting down to chat with me today about some of our favorite reality TV shows. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I co-host the podcast Beyond the Blinds. It's a blind item podcast. And then my Instagram handle is Laguna underscore Biatch. Laguna Biatch. It's hard to forget. <laughs> uh, Kelly, thank you so much. And I'd love to have you back anytime. 
Yeah. Yeah. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me, Blake. Of course. Of course. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.